Hello and welcome to episode 75 of the Blockade Runner podcast. My name is John and joining me this morning is Ryan. Good morning. And uh, today we are here actually to celebrate Kathleen Kennedy, Irvin G. Thalberg award-winning Kathleen Kennedy. Um, the news came out, what, probably about a week ago now, I, I guess? Yeah. Uh, around that, that uh, Kathleen Kennedy and her husband, Frank Marshall, were going to be receiving a Irving G. Thalberg Award from the Academy. Um, I know that that exists because George Lucas um, <laughs> also received an Irving G. Thalberg Award uh, a while back, um, and that's how I know about it. Otherwise, I probably maybe wouldn't know that it's a thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but they're they're receiving uh, Irving G. Thalberg Awards um, this year from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, and I thought, you know what? Kathleen Kennedy rules. She mm -hmm. rules uh, a lot. And, um, you know, I think we we um, always speak pretty positively of her on this show. Um, but I thought we should just do an episode about Kathleen Kennedy. Um, and so that's uh, that's that's the that's the agenda for today is to talk all about Kathleen Kennedy. So we're going to talk a little bit about the award she's uh, receiving, a little bit about her career, um, which is storied. Uh, of mm -hmm. course, <laughs> and talk about her uh, time joining Lucasfilm, uh, or or kind of how that came about, and and um, then her contributions to uh, Lucasfilm since then. So that is uh, that's the rundown for what what we're planning on uh, on covering here with Kathleen Kennedy. Um, so we can jump in and just start talking about this uh, Irvin G. Thalberg Award. Um, I tried to research this and uh, and and learn a little bit about um, about the uh, the honor she's receiving, although I didn't really end up looking up Irvin G. Thalberg. I'm just, uh, <laughs> I'm just realizing now. You know anything about Irvin G. Thalberg, Ryan? Is he one of your guys or not so much? Um, no, but I'm going to become an expert on Mr. Thalberg. Oh, you're going to look it up on the fly? Yeah. Uh, so he was, uh, oh, he was an American film producer during the early years of motion pictures. So he um, was born in 1899 and died in 1936. And oh my goodness, he was... Okay, I like this guy. He was uh, involved in the movie Freaks. Tell me more about this movie Freaks. I'm not familiar with this movie. You've never seen it? I don't think so. What is it? You. So, you know, the um, I've seen the great train heist. I've seen, uh, you know, <laughs> the to the moon movie, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, as uh, as Kevin would say, I've seen some of those uh, Kenny and Ronnie Lumiere brothers movies, but um, <laughs> I don't think I've seen this freaks uh, movie. Tell OK, me more. so do you know the f um, the phrase like one of us, like chanting one of us? Mm hmm. You've never heard someone say that? You are educating me right now on the podcast. Oh my Ryan. god, I'm uh, not. <sighs> well, sure. I, I mean, it's such a generic one of us. Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, but but um, like that chant. Um, no, but you <laughs> no, I haven't. But you might remember a couple years ago, Ryan. This is give you an understanding of my like sort of cultural um, knowledge and education. A couple years ago, you, I was watching like a wrestling event and they started chanting uh the Olay chant you know at the wrestling event okay and i i texted you and i was like oh they're doing that bouncing soul song at the wrestling thing <laughs> oh <laughs> so, I mean, you didn't know it was uh 
a soccer thing. No, see, so I'm just saying there's yeah. there's like there's a lot that uh, I don't know, and I'm happy to learn about. So tell me about Freaks. Uh, okay, um, Freaks is a movie that could never get made now, and it shouldn't get made now because it's not a very kind movie. Um, but it's basically um about um carnival sideshow performers um who and they're like real carnival sideshow performers so um like all that consists of and um basically they um are so wait, it's about the people on the internet always uh, claiming Kathleen Kennedy is about to get fired. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, essentially, but okay. more handsome. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and um, yeah, they one of the quote unquote freaks um, falls in love with a human woman, and who like works as a performer at the. Um, at the carnival and then um it starts to get really dark and um <laughs> and to like kind of talk about how uh how dark it gets um there was at one point and remember this movie came out in 1932 um it was originally 90 minutes long but then um they ended up having to uh, cut it, um, cut some of the controversial content out, which include included a castration. Ooh. Um, wow. In 1932, and by the time they cut the most controversial content out, it was uh, 64 minutes long. <laughs> okay. And yeah. even and then you watch this movie now. And you're like, this movie should probably be about 15 minutes long. <laughs> like, um, it's a really, really interesting movie to see. And it looks like um, Irving Thalberg was a producer on this film, but ended up being uncredited. Okay. Which, he wanted to distance himself from the... <laughs> that, that seems possible. So that yeah. is where my knowledge of Irving Thalberg comes from. He has a lot of other movies on here that are much more revered, but okay, Freaks well, so, is one near and dear to me, I guess. Okay. So it sounds like he got caught up in making, accidentally making a Lars von Trier movie or something, but, <laughs> uh, but otherwise um, he's like a proto Kathleen Kennedy to a certain extent, like a, uh, one of the maybe one of the first uh, or the first like high power producer uh, with a long list of um, you know impressive credits on his resume. Yeah, which I can't think of anything that better describes Kathleen Kennedy than that. You know, um, mm -hmm. just uh, an incredible list of movies that she's been part of. So yeah, but okay. but I mean, she took her producer credit off Last Jedi, of course. Oh, because she wouldn't want to be associated with that well, and no, it's not, not canon anyways so. yeah she hasn't yet but we've got a petition cooking you know oh i'm to, sure for yeah. the next blu-ray release There's to take at the... least 137 really sad dudes <laughs> who <laughs> this 
petition. Okay, this is taking a turn, but let's talk about uh, <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy and the award she's winning here. Uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, I started the turn, you know what I mean? So I'm. Yeah, uh, it happens. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll probably keep happening. Um, so <laughs> what, the, what the award does is honor an extraordinary distinction and lifetime achievement, exceptional, exceptional contributions to the state of the motion picture arts and sciences, and for outstanding service to the Academy. Um, and, uh, you know, like, okay, lifetime achievement. That's Kathleen Kennedy. Exceptional mm -hmm. contributions to the state of motion picture arts and sciences. That's Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, outstanding service to the Academy. I don't know if that means the people that run the Oscars or if that just means the other filmmakers in the film world. Uh, if so, if it's the latter, then, you know, that's Kathleen Kennedy. So, mm -hmm. um, like I said, she is receiving the award alongside Frank Marshall. Um, and, you know, I think he, like, we're not going to talk too much about him today or anything because uh, Kathleen mm -hmm. Kennedy is the one that we're more invested in here and she's the one who is uh doing such a fantastic job of running lucasfilm and everything but uh like um, you know i think we should say that like frank marshall like um he has uh produced uh, many of these movies alongside kathleen kennedy and you know mm -hmm. obviously and definitely deserves the award uh a lot as well so you know that's cool mm -hmm. um i also wrote a note here that uh she joins uh kathleen kennedy and, and frank marshall are joining fellow uh thalberg award-winning uh directors and producers steven spielberg in 1986, which mm -hmm. I saw that and I was like, man, they were, they were straight up ready to give this guy an award like 10 years into his career, you know, uh, <laughs> like that's pretty bit like that's not even that far into Steven Spielberg's career. Yeah. But what he years. did in those 10 years, like through 86, like yeah. he was batting a thousand as yeah, they and, say. That's true. And yes, you know a lot about how they say that, don't you? Yeah. Uh, do. <laughs> sports uh, analogies and metaphors are totally your thing. Uh -huh. um, yeah, but no, no, she, uh, he did. He did have an incredible stream of movies in those, you know, 10 or 15 years. But uh, Kathleen Kennedy was uh, an instrumental part of, of many of those, I think. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, he got one in 86. It's just what, 32 years later that they uh, gave one to her for her contributions to those same <laughs> movies. But, um, and, <laughs> and many, many more. more. Afterwards. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say, I think we could say even like either long overdue or, uh, but I don't know, because this, this award to me seems a little bit of a, you know, after a lifetime of achievement. So it just almost seems weird that they gave it to Spielberg that early. It's <laughs> actually kind of. Yeah. Like this dude has peaked. Yeah. I mean, there, that's Indiana Jones and the temple of doom. Like well, that's as good as it's going to get. Totally. And I think I, you know, I, I guess it, it, I don't know. I, I was, uh, what, nine years old in 1991 when George Lucas won his or was uh, awarded his Irvin G. Thalberg Award. Um, but you got to think that was a little bit of a, well, this guy's not making any more Oscar worthy. Like he's not really making any movies at all, you know, so he's not going to win a best director Oscar, but boy, is he incredibly important. So let's give him one of these, you know? Um, yeah. so weird that that Spielberg got in 86, but, um, you know, he can't, can't knock it. Like you said, he, the, the movies he had made, um, up to then were, were amazing. So, um, yeah. also want to point out that, uh, part-time Rockford, Illinois resident uh, Fra Francis Ford Coppola and a good friend of George Lucas is uh, also uh, a Thalberg award winner. He received that award in 2010. And um, the Blockade Runner podcast here is headquartered out of Rockford, Illinois. So uh, mm. uh, yeah, Francis Ford Coppola in the last six months has been um, showing up here and there in Rockford and it's a super weird thing. So, uh, but um, you know, that makes uh, that makes my city a, a Thalberg award recipient hosting city i think mm. at this point 
have you uh have you had a coppola sighting <laughs> no 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 i have not okay I have, I have. i'm sure i would have gotten a text from you <laughs> yes but but here's the thing um i don't want to cash that well first off i mean like i'm not gonna like camp out in places where i think he might show up because that's really weird um but uh, uh I, I probably would once well here's the deal here's my thing george lucas is great friends with francis ford coppola Oh my uh, God. George Lucas lives half the year, roughly, I think, in Chicago, Illinois. Chicago yeah. is a 90-minute drive from here. I feel mm. like, you know, once Francis is getting this hotel, because he's building a hotel here, I think, is the plan. Okay. Once he gets this hotel up and running, or the process of getting it built is up and running, you got to think he's going to be like, hey, George, come on and, you know, check this out. Come hang out. Or, uh, you know, um, maybe... Uh, George, some Saturday you want to hang out in Rust Belt City, Rockford, Illinois, population 149,000. Um, mm -hmm. Full house. Yeah. I got a beautiful house on the river. You can. We've come got in. Mrs. Fisher's chips. Uh, yes. Um, uh, sock monkeys. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 No, there's a lot of great things in Rockford, but um, mm -hmm. it's I don't know how likely it is that George Lucas is going to show up here. But that's that's my dream is like maybe George Lucas will make uh, twice annual visits to Rockford, Illinois, if uh, Francis Ford Coppola is spending some time here. And then, um, you know, I want to run into both of them at the same time, I guess is the... At like Kroger or something? <laughs> you know, no, dip. They would go to Woodman's. They would not go to Kroger. They would go to Woodman's. That's um, true. Maybe they don't know uh, about Woodman's yet. Maybe they'd go to the 320 store, actually. Yeah. That's not as... Um, not doing as well these days okay so anyway um long list uh like it's it's quite the club here of uh thalberg award winning um uh producers and directors but yeah, you uh, know who uh, you know who was the fourth recipient of the thalberg memorial award i do not know walt disney oh okay yeah okay. very good yeah right on um yeah so i think um it, it's cool. I mean, it's cool that all those people have won. Uh, it's cool that uh, uh, that Kathleen Kennedy is winning uh, or receiving this award, too. I think, um, you know, she's just as deserving as any of those people um, to win this award. So I guess she's she it seems like she's kind of the uh, I guess the last of that little tight knit group there to, to receive one. Um, but I'm glad that she uh, glad that she is for sure. So. All right. Well, let's um, let's jump into talking about her career history now. Um, obviously, you know, like we decided we want to do the show on Kathleen Kennedy. I know a fair amount about her. You know, just kind of like common knowledge that you know I have about her because I've read a lot about her over the years. But uh, I wanted to find a good sort of article or essay or whatever to sort of use as a foundation for this episode. So I found one in Fortune, which um, is not where I was like, really expecting to find it, but uh, mm -hmm. found this profile on her in Fortune called How the Star Wars Producer Went from Secretary to Studio Boss. Um, so pulled a lot from that one, and uh, it's got some good quotes and, and, uh, and stuff like that. So I will link to that in the show notes if anybody wants to check that out. Uh, but just throwing it out there that that's where a lot of this is coming from. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I guess um, she started out doing telecommunications and film at San Diego State University is where she went to school. So uh, not a uh, uh, not a USC grad like um, some of those other people we uh, we mentioned there previously. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't know much about San Diego State University. Um, I assume it's like a 
just like a smaller state, you know, school, like a NIU type thing, um, or whatever, you know, um, NIU being Northern Illinois university, it's like a state mm-hmm. university, but not, not like a, I mean, it's pretty big, I guess, but it's, it's not one of the, the largest in the state. Um, but anyways, yeah, she studied telecommunications and film there at San Diego state university and, uh, actually started out doing, um, it sounds like kind of just like as people do in that industry, um, she started out just kind of doing a little bit of everything. Um, she was doing, uh, camera operating and uh, I guess she produced a local talk show there in San Diego um, so uh, I, I don't know if any footage of that exists anymore that would be cool uh, to see um, for sure but um, but that probably wouldn't wouldn't feature her anyways because it was a production thing she was producing that show so um, but uh, interestingly enough I guess um, it was seeing close encounters um, Steven Spielberg's film Close Encounters that um, like super inspired her to uh, get out of like doing this local TV show and um, to move to LA uh, to try to pursue film. Hmm. So um, I I read that and I wondered to myself like, hmm, is that, uh, is that one of those, it would be really neat now to kind of frame it that way (laughs) situation. Like since um, Spielberg and her have this like long history of working together and their careers are so intertwined, um, is that like a little bit of a tall tale type thing, you know, that people have been saying, or is, is that actually legit? I mean, I'm sure she saw that movie and it was a huge thing. Um, so it could totally be that, but it also just seems like one of those things where it could be really exaggerated, <laughs> you know, how much influence that one film had on, on that choice. I don't know. I'm looking at your, I'm I'm, I'm seeing the look on your face and I'm, I'm seeing that you are like, let's just go, let's just go optimistic or let's just go, uh, Let's just go honest on it. Let's not do the cynical thing. Let's just assume it's true. Yeah, I mean, m- like maybe it was actually a new hope, but she didn't want to. She didn't want to say it <laughs> because she she was working with Spielberg. I don't I know. Mean, yeah, yeah. Could be. Could be. Could be. We'll see where this this when this story is retold uh-huh. years from now. We'll see see what film it is. You know, another thing I, I'm, as you say that, another thing that I am, uh, I didn't really research is if there's a good biography of um, Kathleen Kennedy out there. And hmm. uh, I don't know if there is or not. I want to read one if there isn't. Uh, well, either way, I want to read one, but um, yeah. I want somebody to do to do one. Um, last year, I read um, Brian J. Jones's George Lucas, A Life, and um, that was it was really interesting. And um, there's there's multiple biographies of uh of george lucas out there but um you know i think that one is it's definitely the most recent and um i think one of the best if not the best and uh yeah i just i mean i think it gives you a lot of insight um into him and uh his career and 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 you know his thought process and stuff i would love to to read something like that about um kathleen kennedy I i don't know if it exists or not um but anyway um after moving to LA, she starts working with Spielberg, and uh, she initially starts working with Spielberg as an assistant, but uh, quickly ends up becoming an associate producer and then a producer on um, films like Raiders of the Lost Ark and Poltergeist. So, um, you know, pretty much off and running immediately. <laughs> yeah, so. it wasn't her first producer credit, E.T. Um, yeah, her first production credit was E.T., yes. That's insane. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a quote here from Spielberg uh, that I pulled from that article. It says, uh, he says, she was supposed to take minutes at meetings, but would spend most of the time talking and wasn't writing anything down. I was wondering if this was the <laughs> protocol for secretaries in Hollywood. Um, and uh, that just, that sounds incredible. You know, um, she must have been, uh, she must have been so clearly talented and brilliant um, at that time, I think, for, you know, Spielberg was young too. Um, and when you, when you read about like, for instance, you know, the early production on like Star Wars movies and stuff, you get like very much like a, these are guys in their twenties and thirties. Everybody's wearing like, you know, I don't know, the Allman brothers t-shirts and, you know, like <laughs> drinking lots of beer. And like, it, it just seems like a very kind of informal laid back type environment, you know? Yeah. Um, so but but that being said, it's just like wow, you know, who, here's this this woman who you know comes in and and is um, uh, meant to be in a less important role, and instead, uh, you know, kind of claims her place, um, and uh, and makes her her self. Uh, I don't know, kind of like creates um, the uh, the situation for herself where she is able to influence and um, and be a creative partner and all that stuff is really cool. Yeah. Um, so like you said, her first production credit was, um, on ET, uh, which is insane and amazing. Um, and there's a story in that article. If you, um, if, if listeners or or viewers or whatever, choose to check that out, um, about her playing a crucial role in the appearance of ET and, uh, specifically his eyes. And, um, and, and she, uh, like found the person who was going to paint the eyes for the ET, um, you know, model or, or whatever you want to say. And, uh, and, and, and went and got that done and, you know, sort of like took control of that and, and was really insistent on getting, uh, the soul of ET, um, kind of right, like through the eyes. And, uh, you know, I think little details like that are so incredibly important and critical. And, um, you know, I mean, it just goes to show, uh, I think the point of putting that story in the, or that, yeah, the point of putting that story in the article and, uh, I think what I would take away from it is that like from the beginning, this is not just somebody who was like going out and, you know, making sure uh, people are getting paid and, and raising money for these movies or whatever, but really a creative uh, partner and a brilliant mind who contributed a lot to um, Spielberg's movies and, and the other movies she worked on um, right from the beginning. Yeah. Um, so uh, kind of to uh, like, we're not going to go point by point through her entire career because that would take like, forever because it's so storied and incredible but she spends the next three decades producing an incredible string of hits for uh amblin entertainment which i believe is steven spielberg's company and then also founding the kennedy marshall company uh with frank marshall and uh between those um two production companies they made an incredible string of movies so um before we jump into her time at lucasfilm i thought maybe we could talk about a few of our favorite Kathleen Kennedy movies um, from before she joined Lucasfilm. So, um, what are your what are your what are some of your favorites, Ryan? Oh man, um, Gremlins. Mm-hmm. That is an all time favorite of mine. Um, obviously, I like um, ET and Indiana Jones. Um, I was actually surprised here to see that she was some level of producer um on tiny tune adventures yeah well that's a spielberg uh yeah right so yeah and uh you know that show that and animaniacs were 
I was super into growing up. So um, her involvement there is awesome. Um, what about you? Yeah, uh, I mean, Gremlins for sure. Um, I love Gremlins. I'm a huge Gremlins fan. Uh, mm -hmm. We watch that movie at least once a year. Um, Gremlins Same. 2, yeah, Gremlins 2 I'm 50-50 on. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I need to link in the show notes to the, uh, what's that Twitter account? The, um, oh. You know the one I'm talking about? The Gremlins 2 appreciation, uh, uh, like. <laughs> the, like the studies yeah that's what it is it's like the <laughs> academic studies the gremlins the gremlins to um academic study institute or something like that yes. uh, <laughs> that, that is a great twitter account uh yeah i don't know how i feel but i gotta watch go back and watch gremlins the last time i watched it i was like oh this is just so it's just so different from the first one it's a really yeah movie. it doesn't um, have the heart no, but it does. It does go for something so slapsticky and ridiculous that it's kind of uh, definitely subversive. I think on a lot of levels, and and that's pretty mm -hmm. cool. But um, I'll leave that to the institute to explore further. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a long term study. They have <laughs> they still have to gather a lot more data before yeah. we can really say anything about that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, no, Gremlins, if I only could choose one, you know, I guess maybe Indiana Jones, but otherwise, um, probably Gremlins. Uh, also love Back to the Future, too, of course. Yeah. Um, there was a period when I was maybe 10, I think. I was about 10 when Jurassic Park came out. Um, mm -hmm. Was so big into Jurassic Park for a while there. Mm -hmm. um, really like that. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's, I think the story of um, anyone our age is that like our childhoods were sort of shaped by the movies that she made, you know? Um, it's like looking at the list of movies that she made and saying like, what's, well, what's my favorite one? It's like, um, I don't know. It's like all, it's basically all of my favorite movies from when I was a kid, you know, she had a hand in, I guess, besides Star yeah. Wars. Goonies. Yeah. Oh God. Goonies. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, Hook. You know, I was pretty into Hook when it came out. Hook was, Hook was definitely good. Hook was definitely yeah, good. yeah for sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think the only one maybe she didn't have a hand in was The Wizard. You know. Yeah. Uh, that's about it. So. <laughs> Land Before Time. Oh, she didn't work on the Monster Squad either, which is a bummer. Ooh, that's true. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah. No, Land Before Time. Yeah, totally. And 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 the thing is, like, I think looking at the list too, it's like, um, and, and this I I love so much, and uh, I think it's so um important that the person that george has chosen to take over lucasfilm and we'll talk about that in just a second but if you look at her um her career and the movies that she made especially in the 80s and the 90s um it's they're so they're they're fantastic movies but they're also kids movies a lot of them mm -hmm. um or movies that are great for kids you know yeah and I think there's really something about a list of movies like Gremlins, Back to the Future, uh, Goonies, you know, um, Indiana Jones, Land Before Time, like all uh, all these movies, Jurassic Park, all these movies are like really good movies, and 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 for you know, adult, I think they're they're great for adult audiences, but there's this heart and uh, and joy and innocence in those movies that is um something that that makes them really special for kids too and uh i think you know that that is george lucas and that is lucasfilm right i mean that's mm -hmm. like very much what george um really ended up dedicating his entire career to um not not what he would have probably set out to do initially but it's what he ended up doing with his career and uh and to bring in somebody to run lucasfilm that doesn't understand that uh at a core level 
uh, I think would be a big mistake. And um, I mean, honestly, it's just like looking at this resume of films or this list of movies that she made um, before joining Lucasfilm. I, I mean, is there anyone else in the world who <laughs> has as much experience and uh, and is responsible for as many amazing you know films for kids um, than Kathleen Kennedy? Yeah, and I do want to shout out some of like the more recent um kid stuff she's done. Um she and Frank Marshall actually worked on um Ponyo and uh From Up on Poppy Hill and um Secret World of Arietti, um the all the Ghibli films. They worked on the English versions mm -hmm. um in the uh you know like mid like between 2008 2011 and she also um produced the adventures of tintin which i think is one of the most fantastic animated action adventure movies ever <laughs> and um she is going to be producing the next tintin movie as well so that's pretty cool. So she's still like definitely involved in like even non Lucasfilm things. Yeah, in, I wonder in how the future. I wonder how that works. I wonder how that works. Um, I don't know. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, because I know she stepped. Well, you know, let's talk about her joining Lucasfilm. Let's just yeah. get to, let's get into that part of it. Cool. Here. Um, Okay, so when George decided he was ready to sell Lucasfilm, um, you know, the story goes that he wanted to bring on somebody that could um, run the company when he was gone. And I think he wanted to do that before, you know, he really got into selling the company so um, that he could be obviously um, the person who chose the, the successor there and that sort of thing. And I don't know what the conversations were like with Disney um, when George was getting ready to sell, but I have a feeling there was a, there was very much a, hey, Kathleen Kennedy is running Lucasfilm. Like, she is the person that runs this company. So um, if, if you want to buy this company, you know, that that's the leadership that you're kind of, you're, you're buying al along with it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, that's an assumption I'm making. I don't know. I don't know how those deals would work and, and things like that. But, you know, just looking at the timeline and the series of events, it appears that, that George's intention was, I want this person to run this company when I'm gone. So I'm going to bring her in before I'm gone so that, you know, I can help shape the the direction that this company is going to go, even though I'm, you know, going to be um, giving it up. Yeah. Um, so he invited her to a lunch in New York in April of 2012 and uh, started talking to her about um, taking over Lucasfilm. And uh, <laughs> the uh, the way Kathleen Kennedy tells the story is that when they were they were there, um, you know, having lunch, he, he was telling her, like, I'm thinking about, you know, stepping down and who's going to take over. And, and she started like coming up with a list of people that she thought, you know, could, uh, could possibly do that. And, and, and George is like, no, like the, the reason I'm here talking to you is because I want you to be the person to do that. So, um, and, and this happened very quickly because this, this conversation took place in April of 2012. And, uh, in June of 2012, she became the co-chair of Lucasfilm. 
Um, so I think that was presented in June uh, at that time as like, well, Kathleen and I are going to run this company together, um, which uh, which would have been cool. But by the fall of 2012, um, the company was in the process of being sold to Disney. So again, like I say, um, you know, it, it, when it was first announced, I think it was it was kind of announced like. I've brought Kathleen Kennedy in to to help me run Lucasfilm, but I think very much the the purpose of all of it was I'm leaving and I want you to run this um, now that I'm going to be gone. Um, so, but what I did think was interesting, and you know, I've, we've heard different variations of this story, and we've heard things about this, and and <laughs> you know, I love George Lucas, um, but I, I always feel like whenever you hear a story from George Lucas, you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt because he, <laughs> he spins some tales and sometimes he spins one tale on Tuesday and a different one on Thursday. So, um, but, uh, I guess the plan originally was for George to stick around for a few more years and make episode seven before he sold the company. Um, and, uh, that would have been, that would have been a really interesting dynamic there, I think. Um, so I guess maybe you know maybe maybe I'm wrong about this because I I just got done talking for three or four minutes about how the whole plan was to bring her in to run the company because he was leaving, um, but uh, and maybe that's true maybe maybe this whole I was going to make episode seven stuff you know kind of came about before that um, or that thought process was more before we brought Kathleen Kennedy in but but then again uh, I guess it could have been a situation where he was kind of looking to to kind of steal her away from Spielberg and, and, you know, it was like, I'm, I, I'm going to make episode seven. I, I need you by my side to do that. You know, mm. uh, either way, it's incredible, incredible vote of confidence, I guess we could say. Right. Yeah. What, yeah. Know, whether, whether he was bringing her in to make the movie with him or if he was bringing her in solely to run the company. I mean, yeah, either way. So, um, yeah, but, uh, when, when Lucasfilm was sold to Disney in the fall of 2012, she was promoted to president of Lucasfilm. Um, and uh, that's that's what she's been. That's the role she's been in ever since. Let's talk about her contributions to the company since that time. Um, I found, uh, a couple things, um, that I think, you know, we can point to and say, these are Kathleen Kennedy initiatives. These are changes she's brought to the company. And these are, uh, I think really good things. Mm-hmm. Um, so first one is that she created the story group and, uh, I guess Lucasfilm had never had a story group before. Um, <laughs> it was is, George. Yeah. George was the story group. It was the group. And then there was a bunch of other stuff that he didn't really care about. <laughs> Just don't tell stories about Yoda. (laughs) Don't tell (laughs) about the Yodas. And then anything else, write or do whatever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. uh, He did have the the different policies he had for the Lucasfilm publishing stuff. It's like, well, you can tell stories after the original trilogy, but you can't tell stories in the, I don't know if it was like 50-year period before the original trilogy or what but he had whole time limits that were off limits um because he wanted to come back and do that stuff in the prequels um i mean obviously you know um that was you know pre him making the prequels right um because then there were tons of books um in that prequel era obviously Mm -hmm. after after that ball got rolling but but yeah i mean i i kind of i like george's approach to um 
the story group and in, in or not the story group but in, um you know canon or whatever you want to say in star wars mm-hmm. like it's like yeah if i make it it's canon if not go ahead and have fun but uh you know <laughs> like yeah i i will feel free to talk trash about and or completely ignore anything you do um <laughs> and then that was his take on it yep yeah uh, but i think the you know the we hear about the story group or people talk about the story group and i think that um you know a lot of us kind of view it as uh, an or like a group of people that's meant to keep canon straight and make sure people don't like make um, don't 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 put information into their stories that contradicts information mm-hmm. from other stories and things like that. And I think that's part of it. And that's maybe the most like public facing part of it. Like that's the part we hear about the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the idea of it though, and and Kiri Hart is is the person who. Um, kind of runs the the story group as far as i know and that that's somebody that um kathleen kennedy knew and kathleen kennedy chose to run story group um and and kiri hart i think it's that's not what she's there for she's not there to make sure you know people don't put the wrong year into their book or you know mm-hmm. say a planet's in one sector when really it's in another i mean she's there to shape story and i think to um ensure really great storytelling across you know lucasfilm um, in all the different uh, branches of, of uh, storytelling that um, that they're responsible for. So um, in that sense, you know, to me, I look at it and I think like this is somebody who really values story, Kathleen Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wants to make sure that the that Lucasfilm's output is story driven and is um, is really um, incredible. So, you know, I think that's like that was one of the first moves, um, at least according to this article. Uh, and I think it was even in some of those early uh, announcements and stuff. It was like, well, we're going to create this story group. So um, it's one of the first things she did. And I think it kind of just shows that the priorities are are in a place that um, that is uh, really solid. Yeah. Yeah. I think story and character is um, is what she is all about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it it almost feels like in some ways like the story group is there to like <laughs> partially handle all like the star warsy stuff like the you know the naming planets and like the technical terms and stuff but also for i think like planting the seeds uh for like where things are going in the future as well um i mean i i but i think mostly I I would kind of think um, a big reason for her um, creating a story group is just to have like multiple voices um, because I, you know, I think that's something that um, maybe, uh, maybe could have been handled better in the prequel era. Um, where um, I think, like, in specifically with the films, like, um, there, I mean, it was just George, which is like an insane amount to put on like one person, um, especially in like their, like, I guess what would become his like twilight years of filmmaking. Um, like, that's just a lot. And um, I think easing that burden, spreading it out, having someone to say like, yeah, that's cool. But what if, 
like I think really just helps this build the stories and the characters even more. Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. Um, although speaking of what if, like when you when you bring that up, it was just George in that era, and I know I've I've you know mentioned this on the podcast before, but in the in the time around when the force awakens coming out, finding out that George asked Lawrence Kasdan to write those movies with him and Lawrence Kasdan declined. It's just like, yeah, what if, you know, um, <laughs> what if like, <laughs> indeed I'd love the prequels. I, I, I love the prequels. There's no yeah. doubt about it. I love the prequels, but, um, my mind races with the possibilities of like what they could have been if, um, if it would have been another Lawrence Kasdan, George Lucas collaboration, um, instead of just a Lord George Lucas, you know, pretty much, I'm going to do this all on my own type thing, yeah. you know, um, same with Ron Howard doing, um, Phantom Menace and, and other people that, uh, that George reached out to. I think he, I think he might've, uh, asked Robert Zemeckis about doing it too, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. I know he asked a couple people. Um, but you know, that, that, that I think is like a little bit less of a, like, Oh, that'd be interesting if Ron Howard had made the Phantom Menace or whatever. But I think, um, Lawrence Kasdan writing it would have been just a, I don't know, could have been, really uh, led to something really different, which would be interesting to know what that could have been. But anyway, uh, yeah, for sure. She's, she's placed all this emphasis on story and character and um, created a a culture there, or I guess a a system there um, in which that stuff is really emphasized. And I think we see the fruits of that. And in the fact that there's been so much star Wars storytelling in the last, you know, three years, uh, four years, or I guess, you know, technically like, six or seven years since she's kind of taken over but it so much of it has been so good you know um and it's not that there's that there's never you know duds <laughs> or anything in terms of like comics and novels and you know stuff like that episodes of you know cartoons um but i think across the board you know if you look at the this is a controversial statement maybe to some people but i think if you look at the output of lucasfilm in not in the films but in all those other mediums um from before she took over to and then compare the quality of that stuff to the quality of what's been coming out since. I think it's mm-hmm. it's pretty clear that this um, this emphasis on um, a group that would oversee sort of all of the Lucasfilm storytelling has really paid off. So yeah, I mean, I think everywhere except video games, Lucasfilm is at their best ever. Yeah, yeah, and that's actually. Um, I think I've got something in here too about how she shut down. Do I not have that in here? Um, that's one of the things that happened, I think, pretty quickly after she came in is that they kind of shut down um, internal video game development. I think that was when she came in. Mm. Oof, maybe I need to fact check that um, or take it out because I'm not sure, but I thought I read that the other day. So. I mean, it was around that time frame. Yeah. Um might not be fair to, to lay that on her though, that, that she no. made that call. Um, so, but, um, something I think we can say, uh, is, is she's responsible for is, um, rethinking episode seven, um, even in the face of big pressure from Disney. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of times when this is talked about, the credit goes to JJ Abrams. Um, because, you know, there, there was a lot of stories at the time that, like, he really wanted to get this movie. He really didn't want to put the movie out until till twenty uh, till December of 2015. And that Disney wanted it out, you know, May of 2015. And that, like, that was a tug of war back and forth and that J.J. won. Um, but um, I think that, you know, if we go back further than that, um, 
Kathleen Kennedy's friend, George Lucas, brought her in to make these movies and to run Lucasfilm and, you know, gave her uh, treatments and and an outline or whatever for where the sequel trilogy should go. And uh, I think it's it's pretty bold and pretty brilliant, um, honestly, to say we got to make sure this is right, you know, and not just accept whatever the maker gave her to do. Um, mm-hmm. and I know a lot of people, you would look at that and say, it's George Lucas, you make his movie, but um, I don't know. There's a quote here from Kathleen Kennedy that says, every fiber in my being knew what I needed to do at least to get that movie off and running. So that's what I focused on. A lot of what they were expecting was in my mind unrealistic because nobody making the deals makes movies. Um, so I guess that's sort of her saying like, look, uh, <laughs> we got to make sure this is right from the beginning because everything, uh, everything for Star Wars um, going forward was, you know, riding on The Force Awakens being fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it couldn't have just been good. Right. Like, it couldn't have just been, like, I don't know, Revenge of the Sith, like, good? Or Return of the Jedi, good? <laughs> like, it had to be, like, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back. Really good. Wow. Okay. That's bold. That's bold. I, I mean, I feel like, I don't know if <laughs> some people would argue maybe it's not Return of the Jedi. Or, I mean, it's not Empire and A New Hope good, but, uh, but, uh, no, I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think he is. Yeah. No, I think, I think, I think so. I think so. Um, and for a new generation uh, of film goers, which is, you know, kind of what makes it so important, um, mm-hmm. I think it is that good. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and again, it's just like, not not you know not just anybody running that company would be able to to sort of stand up to the pressure from you know the the most giant entertainment corporation in the world and say no we got this and and here's how we need to do it so um and and on that same uh, but also at the same time behind the scenes being like we don't got this <laughs> like oh man <laughs> like uh like Lawrence Kasdan and J.J. Abrams are going for walks while shooting, trying to figure <laughs> out what's happening in this story next. Yeah, no, no. I think the walks. <laughs> I think the walks were in the months before shooting. Um, although they did rework things when they definitely rework things significantly. I think when um, when Harrison Ford so broke his ankle. Um, but but yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing. You know, they had. Um, uh, oh my god, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name right now. Um, Michael uh, Michael Arndt, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he had kind of worked with George, I think, um, in, in uh, a little bit anyway. And, and he was developing his thing, and it wasn't going as quickly as they, as they wanted it to, but also they wanted to make changes, and they wanted to do it a different way. So for her to say, and she went to J.J. Abrams, and J.J. Abrams said no at first, um, and she insisted on J.J. Abrams. I mean, I think in retrospect, like, how critical was that? Um, call on her part to insist on and to chase him and to make sure he did that movie um i think that was super critical and also to to yeah to to double down and bet on on getting the story right even if that meant you know sort of in the what six months nine months i don't know i guess i have to go back and look at the timeline but in in that period before the movie was going to be made like saying like we're going to bring we're going to take lawrence kazan off of solo going to bring him over here to work with JJ Abrams and we're going to get this thing right before we go in and do it. And, and I think, um, in a lot of different scenarios, uh, the force awakens could have just been really good instead of, uh, I think 
essentially the perfect movie to restart the Star Wars saga and get this uh, get this ball rolling again um, in a significant way. So, yeah, um, and I mean, also she made choices that like it wasn't just the executives who thought were was a bad idea. Like us as fans were like J.J. Abrams, really? <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, yeah, he's fine, but really, <laughs> like. Um, I don't think any of us were a hundred percent confident in that decision. Like, I mean, I think like obviously Felicity rules. Um, and, yes, yes. Uh, you know, uh, you know, his work in developing um, Lost was excellent, um, but like, I think his Star Trek movies were really good. But not were, TFA good. Yes. <laughs> right. um, and uh, yeah, like I I wasn't sure that he had a revitalized Star Wars film in him. But um, turns out he did. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, other things I think we can give credit to Kathleen Kennedy for um, are taking chances on young filmmakers like Gareth Edwards and Ryan Johnson. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I have to believe that that's, uh, you know, she's running the company, she's in charge. And I think, um, you know, that that's, that's one of the things that, you know, she's been making movies for how many decades, you know, um, and worked with Steven Spielberg a lot, but a lot of other directors as well. And, uh, you know, I think she, really knows um what you know is is needed in a in a director and in somebody who's going to shape a story and and uh direct a film and um and, and so yeah i think uh you know the choices that she's made in in bringing filmmakers on are are pretty fantastic and i say that knowing that you know like hey there's been a lot of drama um lord and miller were fired gareth edwards was depending on who you talk to, essentially fired or replaced um, in the end in, in of that process. But, um, you know, so it's been a little messy. But uh, if to me, The Force Awakens, Rogue One, Last Jedi, and Solo are all incredible. They're all amazing. They're so good. Uh, they're also good in their own way. And um, I think a lot of that is her vision in bringing on mm -hmm. these young filmmakers, these, these brilliant, uh, young filmmakers, um, in taking chances, you know, instead of just hiring like whatever blockbuster, you know, filmmaker dude, whoever, um, to come in and, and make these movies. She, she kind of bet on people who, um, had never done anything like this for the most part. Um, Colin Trevor. <laughs> okay. I was going to leave Trevor out of the mix. Um, <laughs> I wonder if that was like a, um, like maybe a little bit of a Frank Marshall. I think it was nudge. I think it was. I think it was. Um, yeah, um, I think that he was really impressed with him from Jurassic World, and uh, you know, I don't have the quotes in front of me, but I do remember. I think I remember him saying like that he called up <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy, um, like by living with her, I guess. But uh, like he was like, <laughs> walked into the living room. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I think he was like, you know this guy you got to look at. So, um, I don't know. Um, but like just to finish that point, mm -hmm. 
the people that she has brought in to make these Star Wars films so far have been incredible. Um, if we look at the first four and then, you know, really doubling down on Ryan Johnson and, 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 you know, kind of agreeing to do another trilogy of movies with them, I think is a brilliant call too. Um, less enthused about the, uh, the game of Thrones guys and, and what they're, you know, bringing them in, but yeah. I'm not down on it. I just, you yeah. know, that, that to me, I'm not sure I would, I would, place that alongside these other brilliant choices like man this woman grabbed gareth edwards and ryan johnson and jj abrams and you know the game of thrones dudes and trevorrow uh starts to maybe slide John a little Favreau. bit yeah Favreau. yeah as well yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. is a brilliant writer and director and actor yes yeah but uh, sure yeah and, and i he's, think he'll, but he's not like that young hungry talent yeah it's more what you would expect like yeah. for a studio like lucasfilm to bring in john favreau to do a tv show like sure yeah that's that's kind of what i would think they would do you yeah know? but gareth edwards and ryan johnson um and lord miller it didn't work out but i still think it was inspired an inspired choice you know mm -hmm. um and it just shows kind of where her mind is and like what she's you know the the places she's trying to take star wars so i think all that stuff uh even lord miller like it didn't work out but i i still think um it's a it's a thing where I'm gonna look at that and say that's impressive that that's where they were going. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I still think that was a great choice and what could have been. Yes, and so right alongside that, uh, I think another thing we can kind of say is is a a major contribution to Lucasfilm from her or something we can give her credit for, is is insisting on a certain level of quality for these movies insisting that they be excellent and so if you look at mm -hmm. i look at the gareth edwards and, and lord miller uh choices as as uh inspired choices um i look at her and and, and you know maybe disney and and alan horn and you know bob Iger and people like that are are, are kind of you know involved in this too but uh, to me i feel like it's kathleen kennedy and it's lucasfilm who are saying this isn't what we need it to be and we need to stop production. We need to replace people. We need to do massive reshoots. We need to retool, change release dates if necessary. Like we need to do whatever it is we need to do to make sure these movies are are the best they can be. Um, and mm -hmm. I think that means absorbing a lot of absorbing a lot of negative press. Um, <laughs> and you know who's gonna? I mean, hopefully it doesn't affect her too much, and she just you know kind of brushes it off her shoulders and doesn't pay attention to it. But there's a woman running Lucasfilm and that means when, you know, things go wrong, she's going to, she's going to hear about it. Um, and, Twice and be, as much. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So I think being willing to kind of, uh, it's almost like a mea culpa, you know what I mean? Or it's like, it's like a, it's like a, I guess we screwed up, but we're going to do what we have to do to fix it type thing to be willing to do that instead of put out a subpar product. Uh, I think demonstrates a lot of wisdom and um it's again this is something where like 30 years 30 plus years of filmmaking experience you're seeing the fruits of that i think in in some of these mm -hmm. these choices um if she was 35 years old and had made a couple of movies um would she have the strength and the foresight and you know the wisdom to make that call i don't know but i think when you have one of the most brilliant producers in the history of film <laughs> running your company mm -hmm you can count on her to make these kinds of tough choices. So, yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I feel like what has been happening um, is pretty unprecedented. Like, I don't think like how often were 
their like weeks of conversations about reshoots prior yeah. to this this Star Wars thing. Like when did that ever happen? Like what what other like high profile films can you think of with like very public um you know staff changes? Right. Like, and I mean, it started early too. Like, it started with like Michael, I guess, Arndt. Michael Arndt, yeah. And then, I mean, also we forgot to mention Josh Trank. Oh yeah, as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is well, in retrospect, I think he kind of falls into the uh, Colin Trevorrow and uh, <laughs> I don't know uh, Game of Thrones guys. Uh, I shouldn't put them. I shouldn't say. I shouldn't you know utter like. They shouldn't be part of that group, I guess. Um, necessarily, the Trevor O. Trank um, group there, but <laughs> well, I think Josh Trank's issues were like a, a bit more personal. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But anyways, but yeah, I mean, for this to be like this is like a like a yearly conversation that happens because this has pretty much happened on most of the films mm-hmm. <laughs> like i mean yeah it's most of the films like there's been four this has happened on three right yeah and, and i know i know i know most people listening probably not most people listening there may be some people listening who are not uh totally supportive of kathleen kennedy and to hear us talk about this like it's a positive thing are probably like thinking you know you guys are crazy to talk about this like it's a positive thing but mm-hmm. uh to me it is you know it's like it it just demonstrates an insistence on doing things right. I think you know, mm-hmm. um, and if you have total faith in somebody, when you hear things are going wrong, but they're insisting on fixing them, like that reinforces your faith in that person. At least it does for me, you know. Um, and I think that's that's the deal. Like I at this point, I feel like I have pretty much total faith in her to do um, to produce these movies in in the best way possible. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, when she took over Lucasfilm and um, and was putting together her executive team, uh, this is something that was pointed out in that article um, in Fortune that we'll link to in the show notes. Um, she populated over half of that executive team with women. Um, speaking of things that are probably pretty much unheard of, uh, I don't know how common mm-hmm. that is in the film world. So I think that's uh, really cool as well. Um and, uh, you know, Carrie Hart, um, she's an example of that kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, a lot of uh, prominent, um, a lot of women in prominent roles in her executive team. Um, so that's uh-huh. great. Uh, Force for Change as well. Um, I don't know that that was her idea. Uh, I don't know what her involvement in that is, in that is. But I know that that's something that is, you know, part of the Kathleen Kennedy era of Lucasfilm. And I think that's also super cool. Yeah, I feel like that's mostly associated with JJ. But Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe so. But they did do it with uh Rogue all One. Other, all Rogue One and Solo. Yeah. Um and I think Last Jedi too. I don't I'm not really remembering the campaign with Last Jedi, but I'm sure they must have done it, right? Maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, and I'm waiting. Where's where's my episode nine force for change video, JJ? Like I wanna see Oof you know, Baba Joe or whatever, like walking around in the background and while he's standing on some set somewhere and <laughs> want some force for change. Uh, info. Yeah. So. Give, give me some sweet t-shirts I can buy to uh, support the cause. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. 
Um, still upset about my uh, my Rogue One uh, T-shirt I never got from Target. I ordered their like Force for Change. Remember when they had that series? Yeah. Of shirts? I had the one that was designed by um, um, uh, well, I got him. His name is Diego Luna. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, and uh, I never got it. it sucks. What? They, they did not fulfill that order. I ordered it online, um, and uh, I never got it. Oh, I, think I, bought one, I bought one at the store, but it was like the wrong size. I got a medium, and it was like too big or something. And uh, <laughs> humble brag. <laughs> okay, I mean, sort of. Depending on, <laughs> do you want to be a grown man wearing a <laughs> who can't fit into a medium? I don't know. Uh, yes, I do, John. <laughs> It just well, you I have a large uh, Kelly Slater <laughs> designed one, and I love it. It's one of the most comfortable shirts I own. Yeah, you know how t-shirt sizes are, though. Like sometimes you get a medium, and it's like sometimes I'll get a medium, and it's like almost too small. And then sometimes you get a medium, and you're swimming in it, depending on like how they're cut and and how they're designed and stuff. So, anyway, um, enough about my t-shirt size. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get into. Uh, just kind of like final assessments um, of Kathleen Kennedy running Lucasfilm and then we'll wrap up. what's your take on it ryan i mean i I feel like we're going to be pretty much on the same page here essentially but what's your take yeah i mean i feel like her um her run to this point is pretty unprecedented in um like for the first time ever we got three we got three great star wars movies in a row which what about is, the original trilogy right i i don't think return of the jedi is in the upper pantheon mm. sorry um but i mean force awakens rogue one and last jedi like are they populate my top five star wars movies ever (laughs) so um (laughs) so yeah um and then i think like the only i mean i think solo has been the only misstep um because i do feel like it's definitely the weakest of the lot and it um did not come at the right time and it um you know there were just there were so many i mean there it's not that there were so many i guess there was the most major of the production changes in it as well and i think you feel that in the film but i still like it and i'd still put it up there with like really good Mm -hmm. star wars movies um but yeah i mean i think even at that like that's still like a pretty good record. And again, like I think it's unprecedented to get, I mean, so, and I think episode nine is going to be brilliant as well. Um, And I think they made, 
uh, Kathleen Kennedy made like the right hard choices with episode nine again, like with those hard choices. Um, and I think it's, I think it's going to be incredible. And I think getting like when all said and done and this like sequel trilogy is over and done, I think we will have like most likely four amazing best ever Star Wars movies and one really good Star Wars movie and a bunch of really good books and really good comics. And I mean, we'll, time will tell as on like the TV series stuff, but um, you know, it's her run to this point has been both prolific and really insanely high quality. Mm-hmm. So I think, I mean, it's, there's definitely been some drama, but um, I think it's all for the best. And I think like she just has like at the, at the end of this, like she is going to have one of, if not the most impressive, um, you know, uh, runs in film of any American filmmaker mm-hmm. producer we could i mean i don't i can't think of like a more storied producer in american film yeah at this yeah. point like yeah yeah i agree and uh you know i mean there's there's probably like people who are more knowledgeable about movie making and films and stuff that would would argue or point to people producers who have been involved in more um groundbreaking or more ambitious you know sorts of um you know uh films i guess because the, the one thing you can say about you know george lucas and and a lot of kathleen kennedy's movies and and you know spielberg is that uh a, a number of them um not a number of them the majority of them maybe are are kind of like populist and in very um uh very mainstream kinds of movies you know um but i think that's <laughs> she's made this incredible like nobody makes these mainstream um you know kind of universally loved movies in the way that that those people do um mm-hmm. and and so you know i think that's going to have a i think it's going to have a lasting impact on the film industry i think even more so it has a, a lasting impact on like an entire generation or maybe even multiple generations of of uh of people and it has a huge impact on american culture um and and just world culture yeah culture universally uh, yeah. culture um and so i think that's really special and important and uh, as far as like what i had kind of prepared to talk about in terms of the my assessment of her um running lucasfilm is that you know number one i'm 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 amazed by her um her career and her history uh and i'm amazed by the output of lucasfilm since she's been running it um i'm so thrilled with with the stuff that they've done and uh you know um i think for me it's it's for incredible movies and um and then a lot of other great stuff too that you know i spend less time with or or kind of um you know i i don't quite value to the same degree that i do the movies but uh i just think like as a star wars fan and it's so funny because i was so down on the whole thing initially like the idea of another trilogy of movies and like all this star wars storytelling i was Mm -hmm. so down on it originally and it was just like i don't you know 
Star Wars is kind of a thing that happened and, and I, I want to continue to, you know, buy toys and, and like, you know, um, celebrate Star Wars and get Christmas ornaments for my Christmas tree. And, you know, like I want to continue to love Star Wars, but I don't really want it to be this thing that lives and breathes and continues to grow. Uh, that's what I thought when, when, you know, uh, Lucasfilm was being sold to Disney and they were, they were kind of saying like, look, man, we're going to kick this into like a whole nother, um, generation of Star Wars storytelling. I, I just didn't really think I wanted that. And in those five, six, seven years since that choice has been made, I have been like continually uh, overjoyed with like all this content that we're getting and I've loved it so, so much. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something that like I didn't have the vision for, you know, yeah. I lacked the vision. I didn't yeah. think I wanted it. And, yeah. and, and, and Kathleen Kennedy under her stewardship and leadership, like Lucasfilm has been able to provide me with so much. And it, I think feel like they're just getting started. Um, and, and that's, that's really great. Um, but even more than that, I think even more than that, uh, and, and I, I don't think I did a good job necessarily of really emphasizing this enough or focusing enough on this throughout this, this discussion, but she, for her to take over Lucasfilm when she did, when George Lucas was going to be leaving Lucasfilm, uh, it is such an incredibly significant and important role, like for Star Wars and for me, like for me as a Star Wars fan, like that could have made or break, made or broken everything, you know. Yeah. Um, to have the to the right person or or not the right person in there to do that, and she's done an incredible job, and and the content that she's that she's produced and and that she's overseen at Lucasfilm has been incredible. But maybe even more than that. I feel like she has maintained and reinforced the heart and the values of Lucasfilm um, mm -hmm. as the leader of that company. And that is, even if they made a couple bad movies in these last five years, like that's ultimately less important, I think, than the fact that the, as from what I can tell, I don't work there, I don't know people there, but from what I can tell, the the heart and the culture and the values of that company, the way George set it up, are being continued. And you mm -hmm. see that in, in, did you read that article in the Washington Post uh, from a week or two ago about um, the harassment online of Star Wars, uh, Star Wars, in Star Wars fandom and all that stuff? No. You hear about that? Okay. Um, it's really great. And uh, I just got done listening to an interview with the author of that. Uh, she's a political science um, professor uh, and, and she wrote this study and uh, article for the Washington Post. And uh, I just got done listening to an interview with her on, um, Steel Wars. And so I'll link to that in the show notes too. But uh, she made a point there, which is is to say that a lot of companies like Lucasfilm and organizations like Lucasfilm uh, will um, try to ignore that stuff and uh, run away from it. And, um, mm -hmm. and, and that Lucasfilm doesn't. And uh, I think that's true. And I just think that the, a lot of the reason that Kathleen Kennedy takes or, or has to deal with um, as much sort of vitriol and harassment and hate and all these stupid videos about how she's going to get replaced and fired and how she ruined Star Wars and all this garbage that she has to deal with. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's because of those values that she that she um, upholds and, and insists on for Lucasfilm. You know, and I know there's reason to be critical of 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 you know some choices, and there's always the opportunity for a company like Lucasfilm and for somebody like Kathleen Kennedy even to to do better in terms of mm -hmm. you know um, the choices they make and and the way they populate their 
films and their companies and all that stuff. But just overall, I think um, like I can be really proud of um, the output that Lucasfilm has, uh, has, has put out in, in the last five or six or seven years. But I think even more so I can um, be proud of uh, sort of the stances the company has taken, um, sometimes subtly, sometimes explicitly. Um, but uh, I just think that, you know, she's leading this company in the way it should be led in terms of all of those things. And, um, you know, like her, her, her history of making, you know, beautiful children's movies that are great for, you know, all audiences and, and, and are, have so much heart in them, all that stuff. It's just like, she is, it's 110% to me. She is the person who should be leading Lucasfilm and, uh, and, and I love what she's done. Um, and I hope she's, I hope she stays around for a really, really long time. So same, same. I, I was trying, I've been like, while you were talking, I was listening to you, but at Thank the you. same time, <laughs> with the other side of my brain, I was trying to, I was just racking my brain trying to think of like an analogous producer, and I could not think of anyone in film who's accomplished what she has accomplished and is accomplishing right now. Like, there are, you know, right now, there are plans within plans that where we are not going to see the fruits of for five, ten years from now, like, mm -hmm. and that's that's crazy to think about too. The closest thing I could come up with, um, for like a parallel with her is I think, um, and you know, this is probably not surprising coming from me or from us, um, but the late Satoru Iwata, um, at in his time as um, president in, of Nintendo and like his role as executive producer through like the DS and the Wii era, like because I think he also was just really invested in the company, in the product, and like a deep personal level and wanted things to be like as good as they could be and you know really enforce and bring to the forefront like the company's values um you know at nintendo and he ended up making very successful products for all ages um that you know still that were for kids and adults but like still had like this and like super mainstream populist appeal but still had this very like had a heart and soul to them and you know and i think it's like it's no secret if you follow like the nintendo's trajectory um through his time period there were also some flops and some missteps that happened there and um like but i don't know like it's still like i think when we like look back at his tenure like it was just an amazing period and um was i think nintendo at one of like their their highest points um yeah. and i think like having the right person in that role is just it's so so important for like these worldwide companies that are both trying to you know um reach out to like a mainstream audience and be something that like parents can take their kids to and involve their kids with um of all ages 
but also trying to still appeal to um like hardcore fans like us who are like really invested in this product but not um not to the point of but we're still like reasonably functional humans <laughs> um but also like having to deal with like these very anti-social quote-unquote fans mm-hmm. who claim to be invested but take it to a point of like take it to a really negative place yeah and um i don't know i see a lot of similarities there no i think so and i i also think um and you know this is a an analogy that probably works best for you and i and i don't know how many people listening necessarily have that like knowledge of uh satoru iwata and nintendo and stuff but i would say this ryan uh if if i think back to the time that satoru iwata ran nintendo um there was like you know, you could argue a giant misstep in his tenure running Nintendo in in the whole Wii U thing, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people listening, even if they're not into Nintendo stuff, like, probably at least know that that was a pretty huge bomb, you know? Like, if they're even aware that it exists, like, they know probably, oh, that didn't go over too well. Yeah. Um, and yet, every, like, I, there is zero, like, zero part part of me that believes that um anybody besides satoru iwata should have been running nintendo even with that happening under you know in in the time that he was running it like mistakes were made but that doesn't mean that he wasn't like the exact right person to be running that company because of Mm -hmm. you know who he was and the values he brought to it and and uh in 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 sort of like the the way he wanted to shape that company and you know um i i think you know you can kind of compare that the wii u thing to like some of the you know the rocky stuff that's happened with like we haven't in my opinion we haven't had like a a product come out like in the sense the wii u is a product that failed like we haven't had a product come out under um under kathleen kennedy's leadership that's like you know such a misstep like that necessarily um but you know there's been there's been some difficult times <laughs> with her running lucasfilm but like at the end of the day it's like i, I still like she is the exact right person, just like he was the exact right person to be running Nintendo. Um, and uh, it's it's about the results, but it's also just about who they are as people and the in the way they're directing those companies in 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 the directions they're pushing those companies. Um, so I think that's a yeah an, an excellent uh, comparison for sure. Yeah. Um. So I just have uh, I have like a little quote here from the Fortune story um, that uh, if you can uh, indulge me, I want to read real quick and then we'll mm-hmm. wrap up if that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so this is a this is a little story um, uh, or a little excerpt from this from the story in Fortune. It says the blonde dreadlocked German to my left is on the verge of tears and perhaps a grand mal seizure. Oh mein, I can't pronounce this in German. Oh mein Gott, oh mein Gott. <laughs> he says, hyperventilating as he jumps up and down, his sandaled feet hitting the floor with a series of thuds. In his hands, a small camcorder, which he desperately tries to keep steady while ca- uh, capitulating himself into the air. Oh, I'm sorry, catapulting himself into the air. Yep, okay. Uh, oops. <laughs> totally different. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, anyway, the footage he's capturing will surely be unwatchable beyond the corrective capabilities of even the most advanced image stabilization tools. But right now, it doesn't matter. My overly enthused neighbor, one of more than 60,000 frenzied fans who have traversed the globe to attend the Star Wars celebration in Anaheim this past April, is about to have his mind blown. Thank you for the pizzas, one of the adulating fan yells out. 
fans yells out. The night before, she and Abrams had ordered pizza for those camped out in line. You're welcome, shouts back the, the matriarchal leader of this tribe. Three years ago, those were George Lucas's people. They're now Kennedy's. Um, and this story is from a few years ago, and it's from maybe before a lot of the sort of perceived um, kind of backlash or, you know, criticism of Kathleen Kennedy uh, online. But I loved it. I got goosebumps reading this the first time in the article um, because, number one, I was there in Anaheim and okay. I felt that just joy um, in those four days in Anaheim that uh, were incredible. And uh, like just thinking back to that time uh, at Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim in April of 2015 in the lead up to The Force Awakens and the amount of just enthusiasm and love and joy that people had it, you know it's probably my second favorite Star Wars celebration I've been to um, besides the first one which is hard to top even though it was a mess but um, <laughs> it was just like it felt so good to be there for those days everybody was so happy um, and I was so excited and it was all because of you know what Kathleen Kennedy was the what she was leading what she was directing what she was producing um, and so you know, to read that and, and to read about like how much joy there was and how um, excited people were like, I was totally there for that. But I also remember being so thrilled with her at the time and feeling like I didn't feel any of this garbage, um, hateful, um, whatever that's that's that that she's had to deal with lately or that that people have been putting out there lately like none of that was there and i feel like that was like you know like it says there are sixty thousand people in anaheim you know the the majority of us were just thankful for what we were getting and really mm -hmm. proud of and excited about kathleen kennedy running lucasfilm and i i feel like i don't know maybe i'm crazy but i feel like that's still that's still the case, you know, for the majority of people. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. there's like this vocal minority that's making a big deal about, you know, um, her being the wrong person to be <laughs> to be leading Lucasfilm about women doing anything. Basically. Yeah, <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. But um, but to me, it's like uh, I just loved that that comment, you know, three years ago, these were George Lucas's people and they're now Kennedy's. And, um, you know, I, I still feel like most of us are <laughs> her people. Yeah. Um, I know we're still her people and, uh, and like always going to be her people and, uh, mm -hmm. very just grateful and thankful and proud of her. And, uh, and like, that's, that's to me, that's, that's Kathleen Kennedy and star Wars fans. Um, because so many of us are so happy with most of what we gotten, what we've gotten from her. And, uh, I think that that's how we should feel about her personally. Um, so I thought that was a, a great uh, kind of like little um, anecdote to end on there. Mm -hmm. Right on. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, we are going to wrap up the show here. So um, thanks very much for listening and or viewing. If you want to check out more of what we do, you can go to blockaderunnerpodcast.com. Um, you can email us at uh, blockaderunnerpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at blockade run. Ryan, uh, listeners can follow you on Twitter at brawn dwarf. Mm-hmm. B-R-A. Yep, still, still using that handle. Brown Dwarf. Mm -hmm. Yeah. B-R-A-W-N-D-W-A-R-F is yeah. how you how you piece that one together. Mm -hmm. um, and you're a good follow, Ryan. I recommend uh oh, well, recommend listeners you, follow you. Yeah, you're a great follow. Um yeah. So subscribe on YouTube. Uh <laughs> keep listening. Um we'd love uh if you enjoy the show, if you would write a an iTunes review and um 
we'll be back very soon. We're we've been on a on a on a roll here doing some a hot streak, a hot streak, doing some some um, pretty consistent uh, episodes here of the Blackhead Runner Podcast. And uh, you know what? I think um, looking at the future here. Uh, under Kathleen Kennedy's stewardship of Lucasfilm, there's so much to look forward to. And uh, there's going to be a lot of occasions for us to come back and, and keep talking about Star Wars. So, um, you know, I feel like we have Kathleen Kennedy to thank for that. Absolutely. Absolutely.